Hello everyone watching on YouTube and listening on Spotify. It's another episode of NRG Insights. Um, at the moment we're doing a lender series, so we're speaking to people, affluent members, uh, influential members of uh, the lender market. I, I don't know your personal um, bank balance, so affluent's <laughs> probably the wrong word. Uh, influential members of the uh, lender market, just to get their take on the market, how things are going, any kind of tips for brokers and that kind of thing. So today I've got Michael Allison, who is the Commercial Director at Roma. So thanks for coming on, Michael. No problem at all. Hello, how are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you, mate. Um, so let's just start with, let me, let's talk about your financial services journey. So how did you mm -hmm. get to where you are now? Talk me through that brief one, because I know, you know, we're old men now, we can't be doing, can't be going through the whole CV. No, no. Well, listen, 20 odd years ago, um, I was looking for a job and I saw an advert in, a, in the paper, which is where you used to find jobs back then. I heard about that. And it yeah. was, yeah, yeah. So I went in the, I had a look in the back and it says customer services. I thought I could do on the phones. It turns out it was a collections agent job for a car finance company. Um, and that was the first time I'd ever been involved in financial services. So I plugged myself in on the phone, yeah. um, dealt with people about not paying the bills on the cars and, and, and quickly got to grips with the whole, I think, you know, how you speak to people, understanding people's situations. And I had a look around me and thought, well, do I want to be on the phones for the rest of my life or do I want to start working towards something? So next step was senior collector. Next step was... Um, a, a team leader and then team manager and then I, I ended up getting to a point where I, I moved to HBOS for a small bit yeah. um, to do some collections there to manage the collections department then I moved to Together in 2007 so and then I was like Together for 14 years it was very exciting times uh, <laughs> it was difficult but obviously I think the, the business focus came towards collections Mm -hmm. So I started in collections uh, together, managing the um, commercial collections team, then grew there to be head of commercial collections over a period of time. Then the world changed again. And because I've always prided myself on trying to understand the business, where it comes from, not just being at the back end, because collections has a bit of a, um, probably doesn't have the best internal brand in a company mm, yeah, from time yeah. to time. So I made sure that I, and then I had the opportunity to lead the underwriting department. So I switched from, uh, is it poacher term gamekeeper or whatever yeah, yeah. the phrase is. <laughs> so, so I took the skill set into their uh, leadership and all that. Do you think that helped? Do you think that helped moving over that you understood the other side of the, the business? Yeah, I think it did. I think it did. to be honest, at first, I think it may be too cautious. Yeah. Because when you're in collections, your vision is yeah. the only yeah, the ones yeah. that went wrong. And if you've got a small, you, you know, you've got big loads. You don't see the other <laughs> All the guys, you know, they, they can be redeeming. So maybe it may be overcautious at first, but certainly it helped me have a different dialogue with the underwriters. Yeah. Um, and it, so over time, then I started to learn about the underwriting commerciality um, and, and taking that view. And then I did a bit of change management. So I had the change and training team together. And then I was commercial underwriting manager until I joined Roma. Uh, and then I joined Roma three years ago. Transformational change. Then operations director, which was again, enabled me to do the underwriting and the collections, uh, so the customer journey. And then we had a restructure last year. And I thought, you know what? I've not done any sales yet. So now I'm the commercial director. So <laughs> that, that means I'll have been across collections, customer you're services, training. So I've done it. I've done you're it. I've got all my badges. Yeah, then you've, you've completed it. But yeah, you know what? That, that, that's my next goal at yeah. some point. Yeah, definitely. So, so Obviously, covering all those sides of the business has helped you dramatically um and without blowing smoke up your ass I, you know when you speak to people about great people managers your name does come up 
Um, I think you've you've been really good at that across the across the board, and it's that's kind of known in the industry. Um, one of the main reasons I want to get you on, I think, it's really important. But what what do you think the traits are that that kind of separates you from the crowd, if you like? Because obviously you've had that good trajectory. This is this is having to talk about yourself in a positive way. I know mm-hmm. everyone's comfortable about it, but you've had a really positive trajectory throughout your career, and that is down to the way you've led yourself, right? So just I'm interested in that. What you think um, has been the difference maker? Yeah. There's no work version of myself. The, the version I am at work is the version I am at home. Yeah. It's the version I am when, when, when I finally get to see my mates for a pint. I'm the, I'm the same. It's the uh, authenticity has always been a big thing for me. Yeah. And you see people, you know, there's no point reading one minute manager in the monkey and then completely transforming your management style and your leadership style. Or who made my cheese? Right. I'm going to be like that guy in the book. It's, it's about being authentic and, and sometimes not be afraid to make mistakes, Yeah, own a mistake. You know, the amount of times I've, I've probably, I dwell more on the mistakes than I do on the successes, which is why this bit of conversation is probably a bit difficult, but yeah. it's just own it because you can't, you can't, you can't redo it, can you? You've got, just got to take yeah, it in. Yeah. And, and at the back of it, there's always got to be, I've still got to think back to 2001 um, when I first started on the phones. What was I looking for when I first started out? What, what was helping me? Is it the person who started, you know, how did it, how do people interact? Yeah. And then watching leaders above you and around you, I think I wouldn't do that. Because I was going to say, do you think it was born from great leaders or do you think it's born from the ones that are a little bit shit and you try not to emulate them when you, when you grow or is it kind of a mix of the two? I think it's a mix of the two. I've worked with some fantastic leaders uh, in our industry and what they've, been able to do is is give me a, a, mind. A, a viewpoint of what good looks like um and I've, I've worked for some poor ones and they've been able to give me a viewpoint of what not to do uh, and i think it's about ma- mashing those two together but it's about being authentic to myself and then realizing that what lights my fire doesn't light your fire and what lights your fire doesn't light the person next to you so you've got to be authentic you've got to be personalized leadership is key Personalized, let's touch on that, that personalized leadership, right? Because it's tough, right? Because it, we all want to be Alex Ferguson, right? Where everyone, where he, he trains everyone differently, he speaks to everyone differently. But realistically, you've got, you've got a big team. Yeah. You physically don't have the time to look after everyone individually and treat everyone individually. How do you, how do you, do it? How do you build that? You've still got to keep everyone as one, as a manager, but um, you've also got to add that kind of person, personal touch to everyone. How hard is that? Or how do you how do you go about it? Just even on a time issue, but also just maintaining the the business pro quo is is tough. Well, maybe that, maybe that's one of the the quirks that I've got is I have got a decent memory. Yeah, and I do like to talk to people. The best part of your day as a leader when you're in the office is the good morning check. Make sure I, I sort of sit near the door. Everyone who comes in, it's good morning by name, and you can see the way that someone walks in tells you, are they carrying a bit of baggage into work? Yeah. Are they carrying a bit of success into work? And sometimes that might navigate to think, I need to catch up with that person, X, Y, Z. And, and that's one thing. Trying to remember everything about every, everyone is difficult. So yeah. what you've got to do is share a bit about yourself. Yeah. You've got to share a bit about yourself. You've got to, you've got to make sure that people know that you've, what your family situation is, what you like, what you don't like. And let them also talk to you and have a bit of personalized interaction because try to sort of fencing yourself off from a team 
mean, there's, there's, I, I don't overshare with anyone. You know, I, I'm quite a private person, but I do yeah. share about me, what what does like my fire, what don't I like, you yeah, know, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And if you do that, you, you're, in, you're enabling people to come and talk to you as well. Do you think that that's what the talent of the leadership is that breaking down the barrier of not having that, well, the barrier between management and not, is that they can they can come to you as a as a person, if you like, rather than just a just a boss. Yeah, but this the leadership's two things, isn't it? It's a set of tasks, and that's your management. And, and as long as everyone's clear, there's a job description and I am responsible for this set of tasks, you're responsible for that set of tasks. That Don't confuse that with how I should interact with you, how I should carry myself, how I should be in a meeting. That's me. Yeah. And that's me. So getting me away from the tasks, the job description is all that fine. I am no better than the person who's just started in our business. I am no better at their job than them. They're no better than me. We've both got a different set of tasks that yeah. we do. My title's different and my tasks carry more responsibility. That's it. It doesn't mean I'm a better person. It doesn't mean I'm cleverer than them. It means that to get this ship steered in the right direction, I've got to do this. You've got to do that. But the bit that's in between is the human touch. So yeah. let's be let's be human about it. And let's have but a bit like if me and you were, were, um, were pals, you know, we were going out, we'd have boundaries. We'd have things that I, I, yeah, I'm happy to talk to you about. Yeah, yeah. I don't just have boundaries. Just be a normal person. Just be a, a, a human about it. Yeah. I, obviously, I, I, again, not blowing smoke. It just I, it obviously comes naturally to you, not having to think about being a manager type rather than a leader. Do you know what I mean? Like it just comes naturally. You can tell when you talk about people that it's yeah. not, uh, it's not something you have to work on, or, or maybe it is. I don't. Do you do you work on it or not? Is it literally just this is how I am and. It works well for no, me. Oh, you always have to work. One of the things I do wrong mm -hmm. quite regularly is I try and solve all the problems. I you know, and I might, I might dominate the conversation a little bit. And I, I might do it in a nice way. Yeah. I'm still smiling. But I'm, I'm giving all the solutions. I'm, I'm a nightmare for that as well. That's why I'm not a good coach. Because you know a coach is different from a manager in the sense that they ask them yeah. how to do it and they keep doing it until they get it right. I just think, I can fix that in two seconds. Why are we talking about it? And that, I, I know it's absolutely wrong, isn't it? But that resonates with me completely because I know you should sit back and let them, because you're not helping anyone fixing everyone's problems. Um, you know, no one's growing if you're fixing everything. But at the same time, you know you can do it. So, yeah, that, I, I completely get that. It's tough, isn't it? You know, one of the hardest things is, is you know, I've, I've got a daughter. Teaching them to tie the shoelaces. It's easier just to buy Velcro trainers for the rest of their life. <laughs> it's easier to do it for yourself. But at some point... You just have to let go. You've <laughs> got to do, and you've got to, you've got to, you've got to let it go through. You know, there's all those things that we do in life that you can reflect in work and, and, and reflect back in your life from from work. But I, I have that tendency because I get excited about a problem. Sometimes mm. I quite like a problem because it gets me away from that set of defined tasks. It's, it's something exciting. Yeah, yeah. I've got to be careful that I don't dominate that discussion. And, and as I've moved up in a role people will allow you to dominate that, that issue, discussion yeah. because of your position. How do you do and, it? How, how, as a, as a, this is a personal bit of a learning here, but how, how do you do it? How do you, how do you learn to stop the help? Because that sounds stupid, like, oh, I'm just yeah. too helpful. Like, you know, when you give a really shit interview and they go, oh, what's your biggest weakness? Oh, I'm just too helpful. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It is a genuine problem. Like, it's a, yeah. it's a trait that doesn't help people grow. So how, how, do, you, how do you get over that? How do you... Um, well, one of the big things, yeah, I think one thing I've done 
is speak to the team around you, be it the be it your peers or be, be it your direct reports, and be a bit vulnerable and say, listen, I, I know that one of my traits is this. Because sometimes you have to give people feedback on their traits. And whether, I know one of my traits is I dominate a discussion. Don't be afraid to pull me up on it. Mm. Because and, and actually invite somebody to stop because you you know Marcus you can't stop mid flow. Nah. Once you're in it, you're mid flow. You're solutionising. You're here. You're there. Um, but you've only fixed it the way that you should fix it. I haven't learned anything. Yeah, yeah. All I've done is done what I've always done. I haven't learned anything. So empower people to give you that feedback to say, "That's great." Can can you show me how to? Can, can I see that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get that. I get that in the office, right? Because I said that's exactly the same for me. My biggest problem is interrupting and just going like, "Okay, I know what you're going to say next." He go, "Here's the solution," and you know you've got to just do this. But it gets easier, right? It, hopefully. Well, no, it doesn't. Because <laughs> oh, shit. Take, take it all the way back. It's being authentic. Yeah, that's who you are. Don't mm. don't. Get rid of that. Don't desensitize you from yourself. Yeah, it's from also it. what makes you great as well, right? It's the, it's the Rooney yeah. effect. If you took away the fact he was an angry get, you probably wouldn't be a great footballer, but he'd get less red cards. It's the, it's the, I always liken it to that. It's the, what makes you great also probably makes you, you know, not perfect. Yeah. And do you know what? There's no such thing as a perfect leader. Mm. There isn't. There, there, there's a good leader and a bad leader. And, and the outcome of that is either the results they drive or how they make people feel. Yeah. But then that is all different to how people were receptive of that. For me, know your weaknesses. Really knew his weaknesses. Still didn't stop the red mess for him. Yeah, yeah. Still didn't stop him, uh, uh, you know, headbutting um, Ronaldo in the back of the air, whatever he did. Yeah, yeah. It didn't stop him doing any of that. But he, he did it less and less because he became more and more aware of it. Yeah. Don't don't lose don't lose your authenticity. There's nothing worse than a textbook manager. Yeah, I you say know, that when you... everyone's moaning me, interrupting. I go, don't make me lose my authenticity. If that authenticity means that you're not right for what you're doing, mm. you know yourself. You know the, the the world that you live in. Well, I had this conversation with somebody before. What is more important, experience, or or personality and because you can teach experience yeah you can't harness hunger you can't have you know there were, there were people i started with 23 years ago on the phones who were probably retiring on the phones and that's fine for them and and, and they might have they might even be at the same business for all i know and that's yeah, yeah. that's fine for them and they've grown and if they love it and they're happy yeah about. and I, I, I never wanted that i wanted more and where i am now i still want more but it's, it's, how, but I'm a commercial director. I haven't got any sales experience. Yeah, I've got, I've got a knowledge of the marketplace, and it's the people experience as well, right? Because you're you're not directly yeah. selling. You're 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 managing the people that are. Um, I'm an organizer. Yeah, yeah. I'm an organizer. That's that's essentially. I think what I've learned through life is if you're a good ops person and a good with leadership skills, you can actually do anything. Yeah, any role. Do you think that, that is, can you boil it down to organiser? Because I boil mine down to cheerleader. I'm cheer organisation, but I'm great at... Um, so that means I'm not, I have to work on the tough conversations, but I'm great at geeing people up. I'm great at going out. I'm great at being passionate about someone else's business. I love it. You can see I love it when I talk about it. But it's a bit, it's a bit depressing when you do it at first. You go, oh, I'm a cheerleader. Like, that's not... You want to be, like, a driven visionary, don't you? You know, that's, like, everyone's goal when you're running a business and that kind of thing. But actually, knowing what you're good at is... Um, 
And that self-awareness is probably more important. It is. I think at the end of the day, it's about... For me, visionary is a big thing. Everybody's a visionary. You, it, it, everybody has a vision of something. Yeah. Even the people who stayed on the phone, their vision was to do X and it might be outside of work. And that that's perfect. We, we, everybody wants to get better, whatever they're doing. For me, I'm, I'm, I'm quite a good storyteller. You know, I, I love a good anecdote. I love a good, yeah. you know, I've, I've got them all up my sleeve, ready for any any moment. You know, I'm a good storyteller. And do that you, probably- do you think that's the way you grew up? Like, because I grew up watching my dad hold a room because yeah. he's a great storyteller. He was fantastic. You go to a barbecue, there'd be 10 blokes. And I was always in awe of him doing that. And then you do it when you're older and you see it. And you think, oh, shit, that's just a trait that I learned off someone who could do it at barbecue. You know what I mean? I think it's, a, I think it's, an, it's an amazing skill to have as well. I'm, I'm, I'm from a family of good storytellers. You know, we, we always used to love talking about the time that somebody did X. Yeah, yeah. And we still laugh at about the same jokes that my uncle, the same stories my uncle tells about being on a building site in 1980s Liverpool and he talks about the and we still laugh at the same point yeah. you know, we have to wall off by heart don't we but they get better well they get embellished as the years go on for comedic value oh god yeah. yeah well I think being that storyteller helps people you know buy into the vision and being a good speaker but visionary is one thing going back to what I'm saying it is all about organising doesn't mean you know my inbox is not organised yeah fact I was going to say my, you're an organised person by like your, your general traits, would you say you're that side of your brain is, is strong or just or organised and you're just really good at making sure everyone's doing the right thing? Just all about the goal. Yeah. What's the end goal? You know, what's the end goal? It's probably one of the things, you know, we talked about football, probably one of the things that's turning me off football a bit these days. It's too organised. You know, everything's regimented in boxes. You've got to yeah, do yeah. X and micro, micro managed. Actually, the end goal is to score more goals than the other team. Yeah. That's it. So if you keep your end goal nice and clear, our end, the end goal I've got at Roma is to grow us to here. Yeah. And then you, you tell a story and you paint a vision of how we're going to get there. And then behind it, you, you surround yourself with the right people. I, I'm not ultra organised. I'm not disorganised. I'm yeah. just, a, you know, I know what night the bin goes out. I know what recycling bin <laughs> things go in. I don't oh, know that's where the washing machine is. So, you know, no, no. <laughs> yeah. what bin it is. Say so, what? Well, that's a commercial director trait. That's what you put on your CV. I've never got a clue. No, I look outside. Yeah. So I, I think it's it's a, it's a hard one when somebody asks you how and what. I don't know. And it does make people uncomfortable because you have to look at yourself. No one likes going. Oh, it's because I'm amazing. But um, it is really interesting to to hear the difference the differences people say as to why they are good leaders because there's so many different traits right there's so many different there's so many different leaders and way to lead but that connectivity with people i think is the is the main um yeah the main drive of people yeah. that really that carry on their careers like you have yeah i think it's all about i think the, the version they'd get from me and work will be the same if we went on holiday together it'd be yeah. the same if they came and came around our house for dinner it's i, I am me and that's it's got its flaws and it's got its positives yeah. Um, everyone knows what they're going to get right I think it's the same as social media nowadays you've got to be the same person haven't you like the author it's really easy to be unauthentic yeah. on social media because you can think about it before you put it out yeah, yeah you know it doesn't just come out your mouth and I speak to people and I think god that, you're not the same person well hopefully I'm a knobhead on social media so hopefully people appreciate that one <laughs> <laughs> that's not the word I'd use I, I'd say you were authentic and consistent <laughs> <laughs> yeah that guy is authentic it's like calling someone the salt of the earth it's never a compliment it's authentic <laughs> authentic is a good, is a good, 
I suppose backtrack about it. Just, just standard, normal. <laughs> normal. normal but yeah, that's where you want to be, isn't it? There's no like. Yeah. Um, it makes it easier for people to connect to you. I think if you if you're the same both sides, otherwise it's weird. It does, but I suppose as well, you've always got to keep an eye on has what is authentic mm. to me and my, the way I carry myself. It has that got a shelf life because people 10 years either way of your age range, you can you kind of find that balance. Yeah. Doing it with a 20 year old or a 66 or 70 year old, whatever that is, you know, there's, there's older people staying in the, the workforce, yeah, yeah. Pe people joining younger. That connection, it's, it, it's, it's gets difficult and needs to be worked on the more that things go. And, and then obviously you've got the different, um, you know, different personas that people have now. Yeah. You've got to stay and you've got to educate yourself sometimes and, and be how ready to take that step back. How easy is that as a manager? Because I haven't, like, my um, team here, we're a relatively small team, there's only eight of us, but we're all of similar age. I mean, it ranges from 40 mm. to 33 to 43. We are looking at bringing in a younger generation. And, and you're right. I mean, for instance, and I've gone off on a tangent here, but I think I've got the easiest job in the world because I'm speaking to a 40-year-old man about growing businesses. I'm a 40-year-old man that's going to grow a business. I couldn't connect with people at a better time in their life. I'm in my prime. In 10 years' time, I'm going to speak into 30-year-olds and it's going to be a little bit different. And you know what I mean? We're not going to have the same connection. So you've got to bring in that younger generation. But my, my question is, how, how do you kind of connect with them? Because so, it's so different now. Even the way you have to manage people, how how do you kind of stay relevant in the management market when people are you're dealing with a younger generation? You know that's hard. What I don't do is I don't go away and watch Love Island and Married at First Sight, so I have something you can to talk about. about YouTube. Yeah. I, I, I don't do that. You know, I, I still watch you know whatever I watch um, the Hairy Bikers and all that stuff. <laughs> but I suppose it's about being open and, and still being authentic, and you, you tend to find something that. What they might be more is intimidated by age. And I have pulled myself, I've got it wrong so many times, Marcus, where I've gone. Well, when I was 21, what I did is I turned up early, I did extra duties without any pay, yeah, yeah. I learned and I got myself a mentor and I made sure I was top of the charts. I've, I've now turned into, I've got to be careful, I've now turned into the 45-year-old guy when I was 21. You, yeah. Well, what I used to do is I used to cycle to, you, you, you end up... Um, Going back, I said this to someone yesterday. I said, but I'm having this chat and I sound like an old man in my head. Yeah. Because I'm going, oh, the, you know, try and get these guys to actually pick up the phone or whatever it is. But they're just, they're just built different, right? So they, or they, they've grown up different. So we grew up yeah. in the pub talking to someone. Um, they've grown up on social media. So you have to accept that. But at the same time, and they'll be selling to their peers, right, when they're older. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. not going to be the same. But it, well, I suppose what you say to them is, Take that time, invest that time, have a conversation with them. And if you, you're a very good person at understanding people, you're, you're a good conversationalist yourself, you'll pick something up. There's something somewhere. You know, what are they looking to achieve? What are they looking to get? What are they, what are they looking to get? Why, why are they in the business? Where do they want to be? What do, why are they in the, in, the, in the industry? Where have they traveled from today? What do, have, there's something yeah, that you yeah. can do because it's up to us to break down a barrier to find their level. I think that's, when that's I was really important about breaking yeah. the barrier because they're not going to change. We we have to, like we're becoming the dinosaurs. So you've got to change. The generations are going to change for us. If we want to employ yeah. younger people, we've got to adapt. Yeah. When you was 21 or 22, 
you, you, there was no way you're going to change the way you are just to converse with a 45 year old. Yeah, I want to be like a 40 year old bloke, said no one ever. <laughs> all you used to think is, I want his car, I want his office, I want his, I want his wage. That's all you think. I want to be you like didn't him. want. You certainly didn't want the kids. You certainly didn't want the, the centre part instead of Ibiza, all that stuff. You didn't want any of that. You wanted them three things. Um, but all we've got to do is we've just got to be the enabler to enable people to get what they want from the business as long as they're going to put something back in. Yeah. And that's the, that's the missing ingredient from time to time. It's the social currency. You know, um, Scott... Uh, who's our India Roma, he has a good saying about relationships, um, which is always put in more than you expect to get out and you'll never be disappointed. Yeah. So actually, if you, if you think about that as every social interaction, if you put that bit more in, you leave people with a better feeling than if you are, you're closed and waiting for them to come in. If you leave them with a better feeling, they'll meet you halfway down the street. Yeah. You'll find out more about the individual. You'll find out more about the relationship. You'll grow it. Um, if it and, and that's... Effort goes a long way. Effort, authenticity. Right. It's focusing on that relationship rather than that transaction as well. Right? Like, yeah. What can I get from them? Um, we kind of, yeah, I suppose you missed the point. So, I mean, you've got to have a call to action, right? We've all got to make money. Yes. We've got to do something. We've all got to be commercially minded. At the same time, if we think of everything as a commercial transaction, then we, we get nowhere. No, you've got, you got to think about, leave yourself in it. Listen, we, I go to work because I need to. That, that, that's the first. I'll be honest with you, I don't jump out of bed on a Monday morning and oh, cartwheel down the stairs oh. and say, here we go. Yeah, you know, um, I don't have an ice. But what I, what I do is I love to watch the example I set for my daughter. Yeah. I love to see the pride in my mum and dad's eyes, you know, when, when they talk about what I'm doing. And, and so that's my reason for going. And, and, you know, payday. And it pays for the life that, that we have. That, yeah. That's why I go to work, and I, I'm and I'm comfortable saying that. Yeah. I'm actually comfortable. Earlier on, you said, "Well, one day MD." I said, "Yeah, I would. Yeah. I would not lose them three things that that, that I love to do." Yeah. And, and the reason I go to work, I'm, I'm not. If I could so easily come on here, I mean, you're from recruitment background. I could say, "I love um, driving for results. I love." building a business and that is my ultimate aim and I will be here at five o'clock in the morning till ten o'clock and I, it's not me. That's yeah, why yeah. I say it. Yeah. That's why I say it. I love being at home with my father. We we move near the beach. I love going for an ice cream and walk down the beach after work. Yeah. So I make sure that I do my job and I do my job well to allow me to do that. I think that's the difference as well and you appreciate that if you work really hard in the time that you've got to do your job, you can enjoy those other things. I think yeah. it can't be both. Uh, I think um, I'm going to say younger generation now again, like I'm getting old. Um, sorry, sorry today. Um, but there's a lot of people that are expecting quite a lot from the businesses now, I, I imagine. I, we, we speak to a lot of younger generation where they, they've heard that they know their value um, for yep. business. They don't really know what that is yet. I think it's quite important that um, you've put a lot in, right, to get, that, to get that privilege of being able to go for beach walks with your kids. There is an element yep. of... Um, just thinking, oh, no, I don't want to say entitlement because, again, I sound like the old man, but you know what I mean. They, people are coming into work going, you know, what, you can, what can you do for me? I think that's, that changed quite a lot. It has, but it also challenges it as well to say is that one of the things I said, I got in early. 
when I was on the phones, I'd get in early, I'd take on extra duties for no extra thing to just to get the best one-to-one and the best, the best results. Yeah. That was it. That was what I thought I needed to do to get ahead. But actually, what I gave, so I gave to the business a load of unpaid effort. Oh, hours, yeah. But that business didn't really, I didn't benefit from that business giving me the unpaid effort. But I you benefited have benefited from it in the sense that you get the step 20 up. years on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 20 years on, I benefit from it. So sometimes it's that sh- you, you can be, um, you know, you, you can be penny rich and pound poor. Mm-hmm. If it's all about, if you put it in, don't expect immediate rewards. Expect that it builds a mentality in yourself. It builds a, a steel in yourself. That actually, what happens is over time, that gap narrows yeah. through the, you know, I still turn up early. You know, I, I like to do that. It's, it's, it's a trait of mine now. Yeah, yeah. I still take on extra extra duties. But over time, that thing narrows. If you think that you're going to, if 2001, I thought I'm going to start on the phones, I'll be a team manager by this time. I'll be commercial director by three years. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Just got to be realistic. But so there's a point where you're talking about that younger generation. You've got to set that expectation. It's really hard Instead to set of, that expectation where people, in, a, in a generation that is fixated on short-term wins, though. Yeah. Uh, short-term gratification, because they see it. I mean, it can't, it, it's, a, it's a YouTube thing, right? Where you see the guy, he started work last week and he's a millionaire. So yeah. It's very hard yeah. to explain to them. Like, actually, it's, it's hard graft and you just have to put quite a bit in. I think, and it's, I'm not saying it's their fault. I'm saying it's what they see every day. My kids see it every day. They, they watch these guys making, apparently, making a fortune doing next to nothing. So, and it's drilled yeah. into them. So it's hard for us as managers to then, you don't, can't drill into them the other way. You have to kind of softly, softly, but it's tough, right? Definitely, but you don't get a degree the first day you turn up at university. Mm. You don't get a GCSE when you t- go into reception at school. It's all about levelling and time and effort that needs to go in. And there will be some kids, unfortunately, if that's the mindset, that's fine. But you've then got to decide, is that the mindset for your business? Because what you want, if you're a growth business, you want a growth mindset. You want people who understand that it is, it shouldn't, you know, it's, it's took me a lot longer because, I, you know, I didn't come straight in from university onto a graduate scheme and do all that kind of, it's took me a lot of phones slammed down on me by customers <laughs> and, you know, late nights and all that kind of stuff. It took me a lot longer, but I finally got to a point where I think, well, actually that was that was worth the journey. Yeah. But if, if somebody doesn't want to put in the hat, don't be afraid to say, your skills might match it, but your wills don't. So I don't think that's right for our business. Don't be afraid to say it, because sometimes a nice little reality check for people, that might be, your, what's not right for you might be right for another business. Yeah. And everyone will find the way. Everybody will find. We say that with everyone, everyone right? We, we, can't, we can't place most of the people we speak to. That's not to say they're not placeable. It's just with our clients, it's not going to work. But there is a place for everyone. But There is. I mean, I read your post the other day about the two different types of uh, people who work from home. Yeah. You know, in the, in the, you know the ones who who are, who are hammering it all day. Yeah, yeah. And the ones who like to have the cup. That's fine. There is a place for everybody to do it. You, you, are, your mindset is probably like mine. You're, you're with the one who are on it all day, yeah, yeah. burning through calls, burning through this and burning through that. That's right. But as long as you understand that that's the culture of your business. Hmm. And you, you're recruiting on culture and you're recruiting on personality, yeah. not just experience. Work ethic is that, part that, of culture, right? I think I think yeah. you learn that more and more. Yeah. Work ethic is part is part of it. Culture yeah. seems to be at the moment like beanbags and ping pong tables, but work ethic <laughs> is a really important part of how you build something. That everyone in our business knows that we work really hard to get the right result for our customers. That's 
that's kind of the be all and end all. Um, but well, your customers, lost your customers appreciate your hard work. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you, your absolute culture isn't just about an engagement score. Tells you how colleagues are engaged. That's fine. That's their score. It's not a management tool. That's yeah. their score. So turn the lens around and say, so how do you be? How do you get more engaged then? What can we do to help? But instead of we scored low on this this particular metric. What are we going to do to fix it? Back to how I fix it. What are we going to do yeah. to fix it for all these people so they feel better? No, you're not engaged with it. What are you going to do? What, what, how do you get more engaged with it? Because this is the business. This is what we're looking to achieve. If there's a common theme around training, what do you need? What should it look like? If there's a common theme around comms, sorry, I thought we were communicating to you. How should it be? What do we do? How do you get more engaged? Culture, you know, your, your, um, the, the, your customers will appreciate your hard work mm. more than they'll, appre- they'll appreciate your approach to flexible working. Yeah. Your colleagues will appreciate the flexible working and therefore they will work hard. Yeah. As long as it's, it's, it's about finding that right balance, but hard work and effort is, is it's the, the founding pillar of every business. It's the founding pillar of every person. Yeah. Because hard work and effort were graded on that from the day we start school. Yeah. And we, we when I got my school reports, my attainment, you had an attainment and effort score. Yeah. My mum and dad were actually not really ever bothered about the attainment. Yeah. The, if the effort was low, if your effort's high and your attainment's low, you're where you should be. Yeah. And, you know, you're working as hard as you can. And that's, that's, that's what it's got to be for everyone. Effort over everything. Do you know what? I saw really good, there's some data on that as well recently. I can't remember it word for word, but it was about telling your children, well done because you're intelligent or well done because you put the most effort. And the kids that were told well done for the effort flew. And the ones that were told well done, well, you got that because you're intelligent, struck, did, didn't ever get any better. They plateaued at intelligent. Whereas if you tell your kids you did that really well because you worked hard at it, um, yeah. they, they end up much further on in life. It's really interesting to see that effort over intelligence is, um, it, you know, it's a huge factor. When, when I go, well, right off on tangents here, but when I go parenting, me and Tara, the first thing we look for from our daughter is effort and manners. Yeah. You know, if, if if those two, because that's that's really what you what you what you want, and if if her effort's high and her manners are great and her scoring maths is below the quarter, she's where she is, isn't she? Yeah. You know, and, and is there any tools we can do to help her better? Um, certainly not do a homework for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the old picture wrong. Give me that. I've, I've got four kids. It's so <laughs> much easier. Give me that. Although I have to pass the maths back again and go. Do you know what? I think you should do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's, you know, and those are things. And I think if you actually, back to your original question about being authentic, if it is effort that you're putting in and you are where you are and your acceptance of that and you own it, then you're being authentic, aren't you? Because yeah. you, you, you're almost contented that you're being the right version of yourself. You haven't got all these masks and all this kind of stuff. Good. Do you know what? We've talked about lead, the leadership and thing for 35 minutes. That was amazing. I, I could talk to you about it all day. Because um, I think it's genuinely interesting. I think rather than us chat about the market all the time, it's really good to get the, um, you know, just to get your take on it, especially with someone like yourself. Like I say, you, you're highly regarded as a, as a people manager, so it's really interesting to see how, um, what all your thoughts on it. But we will, we will edge back towards the kind of market and that kind of thing, and yeah. <laughs> you know what, what the podcast is about. But um, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you guys are seeing it at Roma. We talked before, didn't we, about the the positive mindset you need to move into the, these kind of these type of, type of years, but t- talk to us a little bit more about kind of what you expect and, and what you expect from your teams. 
Yeah, and listen, I think this, this, over the last three years, there's been more twists and turns in the financial financial services market than than ever before. You know, we we briefly touched on 2007, 2008 um, previously, but I think for this one, it's it's about sometimes you have to look at will the volatility create an opportunity. So yeah. if it's um, it, it if you follow the same path through regardless of the twist and turn, the journey gets really, really difficult. If you allow yourself to have a look at it and say, well, actually, um, there is a, a speeding up in the house, you know, there's a, a mass demand for housing. Okay, what should we do? We do X. Right, okay, the exit market we know is is falling away. So, you know, the other side of going, the, the, the quasi quartan yeah, yeah. exit market's crashed. So we've got all these developers. What do we do with these developers that we can create an opportunity for them is it about you know the opportunity for refinancing them or whatever it is? How do we work with them? Because those twists and turns for a business to be agile, you've got to be mindful of your customers are going through those twists and turns. Yeah, and your your colleagues are. So how many colleagues when we're when you stood at the front and you're talking about the state of the money market, the their energy bills are doing this and the fixed rates are coming off. How are they affected? So having clarity about how you manoeuvre through those things can sometimes give people a little bit of confidence. So for us at Roma, we've always looked at volatility can create opportunity, yeah, but only in a certain section. And in the other section, it needs treatment and it needs a bit of care and attention. And, and navigating through is, is certainly something that we've seen um, previously. And uh, I'm sort of going back to that and the leadership thing again, but um, obviously you're, you're with a team, you haven't been through it before. Some of those guys will be younger and they haven't been through it before. How do you kind of, because for us, I think it's a genuine, like, this will pass. You know, I think yeah. we can be a lot calmer about it. It's it's tough. You know, we have to work a lot harder to, to get where we need to be, but it'll pass. Same as the good times pass, you know, it's not the end of the world. But some of these guys, I think, like, you know, it's nearing the end of the world is a killer for them. They were here, they're here to earn money, quick money, and, and move on with their careers, et cetera, and they're kind of stunted. How do you, yeah. how do you deal with that as a, as a manager and as a leader? So what, one of the things we did is we, we, we pushed it up that our, our MD, so Scott, we did an all-company address, and he broke it down in um, what it actually means. So you've got all this information at your fingertips now. Mm. You know, it used to be, You'd only really find out about it when you read the paper in the morning and watched the news at 10 o'clock at night. That, those were your two points. Now every, everyone's on your phone all day long. Yeah. Pings on your phone. You know, you've got reels. You've got all this stuff that goes on. Everyone's a financial expert. <laughs> Everyone lives in these echo chambers. So actually what we said is let's put a voice across of how Roma are interpreting the marketplace yeah. and what we are going to do about it. And then it allows people to make informed decisions and, and you have to be upfront and honest to say, if it is going to get rocky, you talk about being rocky. Yeah. You don't surprise people with it. You say that, you know, our effort, where we're all effort here, we're directing the effort over here and this is what we're going to do. And we actually still see that there's a way through for us and this is how we're going to navigate this path and how we're going to get to that end point. Um, and we communicate effectively and, and you keep, you've got to keep everybody informed. Yeah. One of the, one of the risks you can do is you hit a bump in the road and you, a board or an exec clump together, think about it, talk about it, get, out, get themselves comfortable. Yeah, right, we're all comfortable, right. And they do it. And then you've still got 95% of the business yeah. who are still dealing with a bump in the road, unsure how to navigate it. Do you think that's, changed, you think that's changed quite a lot over the years? Because I think we're, we're a bit more Americanized when it comes to openness 
now. You know, they're always quite across the pond. They're, they're relatively open about everything, aren't they? And they keep everyone in the loop and it's all... But we've always yeah. been quite insular with like, management and that kind of thing. Do you think that's changed quite um, dramatically since you've been doing it? Yeah, I think it does in some, some places. You know, I think it depends on... Um, how ingrained the hi hierarchy is, mm -hmm. uh, how big the business is. Yeah. You know, it was dead, dead easy for us at Roma to say, this is what we should do and let's do it. And if we, if we said it on the Monday morning, we can have the comms out by Monday afternoon. Yeah. You know, we don't have to think about multiple branches, multiple people. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have to think about all that. We have to think about, as a leadership team, is this the right message to give? Yeah. It is. How do we get that message across? Face-to-face, -face, town hall, okay? And then how do we follow it through and keep people updated? So I think agility does come with a, certainly in specialist lending, you know, some of the people that you've had on, we'll, we'll talk about this as well. It, you've got to navigate through, haven't you? Yeah. You just got to navigate through, but being open about it gives you the best chance of hitting the destination. I think being open about it is pretty good for retention afterwards there as well. It's a bit, a bit like the Band of Brothers thing, you know, you've been through it. You will work together to do this. I think it's a great retention piece afterwards. Like this, this was the worst yeah. it was going to be. And we've we've seen it through. So yeah. I mean, although you know, specialist lending wasn't hit. You know, wasn't one of the worst hit, was it? Realistically, like, Bridgham was pretty good. It was. Well, Bridgham was good, but you know, the secret of a good bridge is working on the exit. The exit market was so you had sales became less fluid, refinances became less fluid. The buy to let market um, obviously has really struggled. Mm. Um, so again, you know that you can you can attract new bridging. Yeah. Then your effort has got to be, well, the bump in the road is with your existing borrowers. How do we work with them to navigate through this? How do we get them on board with what our plans are? So you need to get your colleagues on board that this is our messaging. Then you need to be authentic in your piece to the borrowers to say, well, actually, you've hit a bump in the road here. Uh, we can extend your loan. We can do a refinance option. Or actually, you know, we can work with you on a different exit strategy. Being mindful, but at the same time, at the front end, we're saying to the guys, well, you know what? There's a load of buy-to-let properties come on the market now. People who haven't bought for a long time because the prices are too high are back in. Kenya. So let's get the bridge in. You know, they, they want to act fast. So we, let's use our Roma flow proposition. And that's the way we want to target that market whilst we, whilst we incubate and look after this piece over here. Because this bump in the road is not going to derail for the next three, four years. It's not like a 2000, 2007, 2008 piece. It's a blip. Yeah. There's a bit of normalization that needs to come in. We're starting to see that the, the, the chain of housing is opened up because first-time buyers are being more realistic now and probably going back to what a first-time buyer used to be. Yeah. So a first-time buyer for the last 10 years, of somebody's first home has been a three-bed three detached. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the aspiration. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, start with your apartment like everyone else, all right? And wait, wait. Apartment, terrace, semi. <laughs> that was the ladder. Yeah. That's the whole point of the property ladder. Now it was, yeah. well, actually, I get a three-bed detached, hmm. uh, and then I'll get a four-bed detached yeah. with a garden off, isn't it? Because yeah. money so was cheap, though, wasn't it? Money was cheap, and you would get what you want. Money was cheap. And I, I think that there's that normalisation of, Bit of realization for people to say, well, I can still move, but my expectation is this. Yeah. And the market starts to become fluid again. Yeah, good. And how do you see it um, panning out this year? Do you see it just keep kind of moving towards that positive trajectory, or do you think we're going to um, remember we are for a bit? Where do you think we are? Yeah, I put like, listen, what, what an exciting two weeks it's been. Crazy, isn't it, the last couple of weeks? 
it's felt like someone turned the light on. Yeah. Um, and because people are sort of looking past and maybe there's been that consolidation where people can start to think about the plans. Uh, one thing's for sure, if the saving rates are going up, the money's got to go to work. You know, so the banks and the, the specialist, but the, the, the money's got to go to work. Yeah. Um, the normal normalization of the housing market coming back in of this is where we are now. Um, yeah. This is what it looks like. The, the, the realization of the first time buyer, what they can achieve for their first property and supporting them through it. The feeling that we may get the rate cuts. I think the same thing is that confidence though, isn't it? It's not a shaky, even if it's, this is it, it's still going to be better because we know what it is. It's that. Yeah, we, 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 but I can be honest with you. There's going to be another bump at some point. No, it's going to be a nice no, surprise Michael, at some point. We're going to have three years now of just purely <laughs> making money, everyone enjoying themselves, buying property, recruiting, you know, all of the good things. None of, that, none of those bumps. Done. Done with wars, done with pandemics, done with elections. <laughs> well, I think, I think, you know, we all use COVID as a barometer, don't we? So, well, it's post-COVID. It's Pre-COVID, we had Brexit. Yeah. You know, pre-COVID, we, we had all these bumps. Navigating things through is nothing new. It's just exhausting. Mm. That's what I mean. Just one, a couple of, a couple of years run at it. Just, just with well, the normal uh, market. You know, if you can have such a thing well, as a normal market. <laughs> you can't, because the graph's never like that, is it? Nah. Any market graph is like that. Yeah. For everything, you, you look at a stock, you, you, you go to buy shares in a business, the graph's like that. It's never like that. Yeah. So you, you've got to be wary that it's like, and as a business owner yourself, you'll know, in the last five years, you'll have built your toolkit up of how to manage adversity, of how to lead people through adversity, of how to pivot your business at a moment's notice. You'll have built that toolkit up stronger in the last five years than you did in the last 25 years. But now we can, now I've built that up, it'd be quite nice just to not have to use it for a bit. Yeah, it'd be nice to leave it in the shed. <laughs> yeah. you know, a bit like giving up a house. Toolkit, <laughs> but I'd like it the walls don't keep falling down, so you've got to build them up. Listen, I think we'd all love it. I think we'd all love a nice competitive marketplace where, where you know, we continue to do, but that's that's yeah. lending, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, I also it, think it, it, that, again, with the positives of last year, um, got rid of a bit of dead wood, uh, everyone sharpened their tools a bit, as we keep saying, you know, everyone everyone got a bit better. There are some positives from it, and actually, I do think I think we're, we're exceptional what we do, and we actually benefit from a slightly worse off market because kind of when it's easy, it's easy, right? Everyone can do it, there's hundreds of people doing the same thing, but when it's hard. You benefit from being good. I do think there's some there's some benefit to a slightly tougher market. There is. I think there's two different types of businesses. The ones who pull the drawbridge up and go insular. Yeah. Or the ones who look at the they they will when the drawbridge comes back down, they'll be what they were beforehand. Yeah. Or the ones who say, well, actually, this is the opportunity to invest in technology. This is the opportunity to challenge this piece of process that we do. This is the opportunity to there's great talent in the marketplace. Yeah. We might not need them today, but by God, would we have had them six months ago? So let's get them in now because yeah. they can really add value into our business. And actually, we can give them a nice... So acquiring good talent, working on your processes, working on your technology and working on your culture. If you're doing that instead of having... And still keeping an element of business. But down the hatches. I used to say this all the time to people, but... I went for a whole year of going into the city to speak to people and they were saying, you're the only person that's coming in at the moment because we're not doing anything. And to me, that, that blew my mind because we've got, when we come out of this, we've got a bigger market share than where we went in. And I, yeah. and I thought that from the beginning. I just think long-term, but it's that long-term thing, isn't it? I've been in it a long time. 
I know that if I keep pushing now in three years' time, I'll benefit from it. But it's hard to see that, I suppose, if you've just been making money quite easily and you've never had to really sort of dig in. Well, growing, the, growing, with a, growing a business in a growing market is what everybody else is doing around you. <laughs> yeah. Growing a market share is a completely different yeah. piece. And if you present it with, we've been presented with the opportunity to grow a market share. Mm. So you either batter nine your hatches, pull up your drawbridge and say, well, we're going to go insular and then we're going to work on everything. Or Do what we can. You, yeah. you, you go out there and you have a go. Yeah. You know, you have a go and you make mistakes, you make successes and you be authentic as a business and you be authentic as people. Yeah. And you'll learn through it. And at the end of the day, at least when you get to the end of it, you can say we had a go. Yeah. I think that as well. Like, what are you risking? And again, I think maybe it's because it didn't come from money, but it's just money. Like, I love business. I love growing the business. I love taking a risk to grow it. Because at the end of the day, I can, just, I can recruit. On, if it all fails, I can, I can make money again. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. the it's not the be and end all, but you've only got this, you've only got very few opportunities to really grow your market share. Like you say, it's next to impossible when everyone's doing it. You just stay in the same, yeah. stay in a bit more money. But we're given these rare opportunities, aren't we? And you either you either go. You've got to grasp them. You've got to grasp them, and then and that all comes back down to have you surrounded yourself with the right people? Have you Have you brought the right culture into your business who are ready to grasp it? Who are ready to to be bold yeah, and be yeah. brave and have a go? Um, and that all comes back to. Is it the skill set that you pick, or is it the is it the, the, the yeah the behaviours the appetite the personal behaviours yeah uh, and if you're picking the right behaviours you can teach me and you in if with three years of intensive training we could be the best plasterers in um, in, in Manchester if we wanted we could plaster everything three years intensive training but at the same time we'll you can teach will. any skill but you, you put it, you've got to have the will well if we never had the will to do it we'll never do it yeah, so. Yeah. Anybody can be taught anything, any role, but you've, you've got to have to go to it. Amazing. Thank you, mate. I, I normally ask for a, a good tip at the end, but that's perfect. That's a great way to end it. Um, I appreciate that. And I, I appreciate time. I did say half an hour as well, and we've been 49 minutes. Um, I'm a, I told you I'm a talk. Yeah, me too, mate. I spent the whole time thinking to myself, don't interrupt, don't interrupt. That's my, I live my life like that. Listen, don't interrupt, don't interrupt. But um, yeah. I, I appreciate your time. If, if anyone wants to get a hold of you or anyone at Rome, what's the best way? To, obviously, all of your details will be on our, um, on our socials. But if anyone wants to speak to you, what's the best way of um, getting in contact? Well, listen, there's a few ways. My email address will be on uh, on the contacts yeah. at the end. Just contact me on LinkedIn um, or reach out to anybody at Roma. Yeah. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And we're here to help people uh, with prosperity through property. Yeah, amazing. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. And thank you, everyone, for listening and watching on YouTube. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. I will, uh, I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye.